0: Thanks again for being here. If you have your Bibles, or you have a, uh, you have a device with an app on it, or you can follow on the screens, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. We're in the last week of a four-week series that we've intentionally looked at the church. We started with time, something that we treasure, something we invest, something that we manage, and something that we enjoy. Then we took a look at intentionality, which is how do we enlist supporting voices in our family and our lives, and how do we raise expectations, how do we keep it real in trying to parent and, and lead our family. We talked a little bit about being on mission, how do we give and how we go and how we sow, and then today, we wrap up the series talking about engagement. How do we engage in community? What does that church truly look like? Henry Nowen once said, there is a place for everyone, a unique, special place— once we deeply trust, now listen to this. Let me say it again. Once we deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, we are able to recognize the preciousness of others and their unique places in God's heart. Now turn around to somebody around you and say, "You are unique." Now I want you to say. I want you to say it where it's not so nice. I want you to make it sound like this because it's just a slight different, right? You are unique. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. It'll make you feel good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now say this to yourself. I'm so unique. I mean, it's kind of like when me and Jenny got married, I had to get her to define sure for me, right? So, I'd be coming home and say, babe, what do you, what do you want to eat tonight? And she'd say, oh, I don't know, whatever you want. And I'd say barbecue and say, so sure. And I'd have to say, what, like, what, does, what does sure mean? It's like sure mean, ugh, sure. Or does sure mean like, oh, sure. Or does sure mean like, oh, sure. I mean, it can mean a lot of things. Are you with me? So, like with Jen, though, like for her, sure means one thing. It means sure. So, like, that's like she's in, right? But, like, for me, it's like you got all kinds of these different measures of sure. I think that's true about when it comes to community in the church. It's like we look at, well, yeah, we have community. Or, you know what? We have community. Or, you know what we have? Oh, we have loving community. Are you with me? It's just all how you, how you see it, right? But I think Nowen was right. When we begin to see how God sees us, it is much easier to see how God sees others. Because God sees others in the same light that He sees us. No matter how uniquely different we are, right? I mean, like some of y'all, I'm just looking at y'all. And there's some weird people in this room. You know, I mean, seriously, I, I can see y'all from here, you know. But right now, there are people sitting in this room saying, that guy's weird. And I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Like, I, I totally get that I'm weird, right? I mean, I've gotten to the point now at my age where I don't care. Like, I, I'm, I'm just going to be weird. I'm staying there. We're good. But now it says when we see people as God sees them, then we have a much better opportunity to recognize that what if our loneliness is the result not simply of needing other people, but what if it's that we are made in the image of a relational God? That was built to require one another because the idea of engaging in community comes from the sense of responsibility that we have for one another. And in the scriptures, God encourages us to take care of our, here's the term, brothers and sisters. Now, I don't run around calling you brothers or sisters, all right? And I'm really appreciative when you don't call me brother so-and-so, all right? I just, I don't know what it is. It just kind of weirds me out a little bit, but that's just me. But the term that the Scriptures use refer to the fact that we have been adopted into God's family as followers of Jesus, and we are joint heirs with Jesus the Lord. Now, the story that we're going to talk about today in Acts chapter 2 is something that's pretty powerful, but I want to give you two pieces of Scripture that may help you understand where we're going. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, and here's the term again, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now watch this, Paul is speaking and he's saying, I appeal to you, meaning I am pleading with you to recognize this reality. I'm pleading with you not to try to convince you, but I want you to embrace this reality that you are, as followers of Jesus, you have been literally adopted into God's family. Now, here's how that path works. So, God the Father, creator and sustainer of all life, creates all of life, including me and you. We begin to sin at the beginning of Adam and Eve at the tree. Are you with me? From that moment on, sin has been in the world, and every time we are born, another person is born, there's another nature of sin born into that person. Are we, are we together? Now, none of us likes to talk that way, because what we like to talk about is how sweet we are. You know, and it's just, oh, we're just, we're, but we're, I'm a good person. Good for you. But we all have the capacity for bad. We all have the capacity for evil. We were born with the capacity to sin. And let me just stop and say, I can sin with the best of them right? I'm good at it. And you know what I've learned? We sin for one reason. Oftentimes it's fun. We do dumb stuff because it's in our nature to do that, right? Now watch this. God the Father being holy, sinless, and perfect, and righteous, He cannot have us in right relationship with Him Him because of our sin. Now you say, well Chuck, that's not very nice of God. Oh no, it's really nice of God. Because God created us and yet still loves us. Loves us so much that he sent the second part of his Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He sends God the Son to this earth to be born of a virgin, live a perfect life, die on an old wooden cross that his blood might be shed and his body might be broken. He would be buried dead as dead could be and three days later raised from the grave. Now, why did he go through all that? Because God saw that the world was offering temporary sacrifices for our sinful nature And he knew that there had to be the shedding of blood for there would be the forgiveness of sin. So, he sent his son, Jesus, to be the spotless lamb of God that would be the last and final required sacrifice. And Jesus willingly died on the cross, shed his blood, and his body was broken for the forgiveness of my sin and yours. All of them, past, present, and future. Are you with me? Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin conquered death, conquered Satan, and then hung around for about 40 days with hundreds of people witnessing this, both historically and biblically. And Jesus left and ascended from a mountain and is now sitting beside God the Father praying for you right now. Now let me just, I, want, I say this all the time because I want y'all to get it. Jesus, who came to live a sinless life for you, buried and risen, now sitting beside God the Father right at this moment praying for you. Now, come on, that's pretty good news when Jesus is praying over you. And he's praying for you right now. So, this is where this text is coming from. He also says in Romans 12, 5, So it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body, but we belong to each other. Now, you can say, whoa, Chuck, I was with you until the belonging to each other. Mm Mm-mm. I do not belong to that guy. No. I do not belong to that girl. Uh Uh-uh. I I don't like what they do. I don't like what they say. I don't like how they sing. I don't like blah, 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 blah. Let me just stop and say, you know what? If you want to find something wrong with the church, there is plenty of things to find wrong with the church. There's plenty of things to find wrong with this church. There's plenty of things to find wrong with me. I mean, I'm a good reason not to come to church. I get it. But let me just stop and say to you, you didn't come for me, and you didn't come for the music. You came to worship him, did you not? I mean, isn't that what we, we came here to do? The the huge redwood trees in California are pretty amazing. They stand 200 feet tall. They're 200 years old. But we must think that their root system is so deep that they can can withstand all those storms. But did you know redwood trees, their roots are incredibly shallow? That they're truly only inches deep. They're not strong because they grow deeper. They're strong because they grow wider. And they engage and entangle their roots to the point at which they are completely community so that when that wind blows, it's not about the strength of one tree, it is about the strength of all those trees. It is that they have entangled and they have engaged in community. Listen to me, the church is alive in 2022, not because everybody grew deeper, but because everybody grew deeper in love. But you see, the problem is when you start looking at the community of Christian churches, we forget that that interlocking root system comes with a price. And the price is that you sell apart what it is that you like and appreciate and dislike and don't like and all the other things, and we get focused on those things which matter the most to the Lord Jesus. And it's pretty easy to stop and see what those are. And it's this. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. God loves me. Nothing I can do to make God not love me loves me so much that he sent a savior called Jesus. He died for me. He rose from the dead for me. He's sitting beside God the Father praying for me. I can ask him to forgive me my sin, step into my life, be my Lord, be my Messiah, be my Savior, and in doing so, I know that in Christ alone I have not just eternity, but now the presence of the third part of the Trinity, His Holy Spirit living inside me. Now, if you and I can agree on that, there are so many things we can disagree on. And you say, well, Chuck, you know what? I just don't like it when you say X, Y, or Z. Well, I bet there's a lot of people who don't like that, and I'm sorry. I really am. Do you know what? I have the ability. I, I, truly, I, I can be like an absolute porcupine. I can absolutely drive people back crazy and not even know it. I mean, I have great capacity for that. When you speak publicly, you know what I've learned? You'll say something stupid sooner rather than later. And I've made a living out of it. Come on, let that sink in for just a minute. (laughs) But here's what happens to the church in Acts chapter 2. How do you overcome that? You see, shortly after Jesus left this earth and returned to heaven, he left us, every follower of Jesus, he left us with a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He promised that his Holy Spirit would guide us, be our counselor, our strength, our power, our presence, and the third part of the Trinity. So in Acts chapter 2, look with me in verse 42. The scripture says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now, I want you to just focus in on that that verse for just a minute. All the believers, that would be anybody who said, I want Jesus in my life and I have accepted by faith Jesus as my savior, all right? So, that's many of you. Some of you maybe not yet, but it says, all the believers, they devoted themselves to the teaching. Now, here's what's powerful. What was Jesus' last command to his disciples and to us? Go into all the world and do this. Make disciples. Now, what does that mean? Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what I just told you. Jesus came and he died for you was buried for you rose from the dead for you so that you could have life and eternity in heaven you could have life and joy now on this earth and all you have to do is surrender your life to him you don't have to give the church going to church go on a mission trip any of that you just trust jesus that's why jesus is enough but it says here that all those people followers of jesus they were they were digging the teaching And they fellowship with one another, meaning that they were teaching while they were with one another. They could bounce it off one another. And they shared in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we'll do later today. And they prayed together. So this is the the picture of verse 42, which is this. Believers, radically different people came together and they entangled their lives in such a way that they were stronger together because the persecution in the first century church was radical. You think that if you listen to enough of the news media today, as Christians, we're persecuted. What I'd say is we don't have a clue what persecution is in America. Persecution is when you get shot because you've gone to worship Jesus. Persecution is when you are hung because of your faith. Persecution is when you cannot possess a Bible. Nobody did that to us today. We came to worship freely. And by the way, the first century, though, it had to be clouded in secrecy or your death was imminent. They put it all on the line for this thing. Look at verse 43. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now watch this. Remember what Jesus said to them. He said, fellas, I'm going to leave and you're going to do what I do. You're going to continue what I taught you. You're going to have the power that I'm going to give you. And who did he say was going to give them that? The Holy Spirit of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You put all this together, and what you see is that all of Jesus' teaching leads to this moment, which is the start of Jesus' church that we're continuing right now in 2022 at Sugar Hill Church. Right? So let's keep going. And it says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, let me just stop and say I lost some of you because we have been so trained within the church that politics is the issue, could I stop and say to you, this is not a political statement, all right? Politics has no place in Jesus' world, because Jesus trumps all politics, and He trumps all politicians, no pun intended. But let me remind you of this. This is not about socialism and about free market. What this is about is the work of the Spirit of God saying to one believer that another believer could be blessed by your presence and your gift. That this believer would be blessed and be a conduit to greater blessing. That before long the entanglement became a way in which I am softened in my heart to want to serve others. Which again is exactly what Jesus called us to do. I teach you a new command that you love one another. And the text goes on and on. It says they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, can you imagine going to church every day? I'm going to take that silence as no. (laughs) But this is what they did. Now, keep in mind, they, you know, they didn't have the work hours that you have. They didn't have all the other things. So, I get that. But I think the teaching here goes much deeper than how we see it. I believe if you put it in the context in the way it was written to the context that it is today, I think what we would have to assume from that text is this, that they didn't think that meeting with one another for the fact of being taught, of being worshiping, of being fellowshipping, of gathering together for communion, that it wasn't one hour and the other 167 I do other things. I think the teaching is that for 168 hours a week, I am saturated with the presence and the goodness of God, and the Holy Spirit goes with me no matter where I go, what I do, or what's in front of me. On Tuesday at 2.30, the Spirit of God is alive and well in my heart. On Thursday morning at 9 a.m., the Holy Spirit is well aware of what's happening in my life, can encourage me, and walk me through it. Now, watch me, hear me, look right here. This is where some of y'all are going to totally check out and it's totally worth it. Are you ready? You may say, well, Chuck, I've never sensed, I I've, I've gave my life to Jesus at VBS or youth camp or something 20 years ago, and I've never felt the Spirit of God in my life. Look right at your pastor right here. Are you ready? Here's what I want to tell you. If you've never sensed the Spirit of God giving you direction in your life ever, and you claim to be a believer, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, are you sure you're a believer? Because Jesus promised when we give our life to Him, He gives us the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit, if you're, He's there. Unless maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, which in case we need to settle today. The second thing, though, I would ask you is this Have you ever chosen to surrender your will to His because His way is higher than yours and His knowledge is higher than yours? Because it's, now it's a matter of surrender. You say, well, Chuck, listen, I don't like that kind of talk. What I'd rather do is I'd rather have a sweet talk. Like give me a 20-minute sweet talk and send me out with that blessing so I can feel warm and fuzzy today. The problem is I don't, want you to, I don't want you to live warm and fuzzy. I want you to live saved and satisfied. I want you to live sustainable. I want you to recognize in your life that when you surrender all you are to all he is, all he is is more than you could ever hope for. But the problem is we don't like that, that, that term of surrender. We think of surrender as white flags. Okay, I, I quit. That's not what surrender is. Watch me. Surrender is when you take all of the junk in your life that you're counting on you to do, and it's like you pulled it out of you, and you've got this big pile in your hand, and you lay it down. That's Surrender. Surrender is, not I quit, surrender is, I'm going to offload the junk in my life that I can't do on my own, but I can trust Jesus with it, and then I'm making room in my soul for his spirit to well up and replace all that junk with him. Can't you see that? But if we're going to do that, we've got to have enough gumption to say, I need that. I need the presence of God in my life. I need the spirit of God alive in my life. Look at what the end of this text says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Oh, my stars, does it get any better than this? Listen to me, being engaged in community creates unity. Let me say it again, being engaged in community creates unity, not uniformity. Look around the room. Just please, just just wiggle your head around. Look around, just look around. Look at, there are some weird people in this room, man. And there's a lot of different kind of people in this room. We got Republicans and Democrats. I mean, we got tall people and short people. We got it all. We got young people and we got old people. You know what we have in here? People that are living for Jesus, people that aren't living for Jesus, and people that don't know how to live for Jesus. And they're all in here trying to wrap their head about how do we have this kind of engaged community that can be a blessing in my life. Engaged community creates unity, not uniformity. Unity is when we can focus on those things which matter most to Jesus. Uniformity is when we have to agree on all of it. We take the Lord's Supper today. Some of you heard it called communion. You heard it called other things. Or in your, or the church you grew up, some dude, you know, with a tall hat, he'd put it on your tongue. Or, you know, he broke the bread. Or you, you sipped from the same glass. That just seems gross to me. But, I, you know, I mean, I've shook, I, I shook a lot of hands today. You don't want me doing that. Not to mention, you don't need anybody between me. You don't need me in between you and Jesus. You can go straight to him. This is the great, great thing about Christianity is you, you don't need an intermediary. You've got Jesus. You go straight to him, man. I'll, I just talk. We don't have to agree on how we do communion. We have to agree on Jesus. I, I, I've got pastors that get bent out of shape with me when I say, you don't have to walk an aisle to give your life to Jesus. And it's like, oh, but how are we going to know? Well, Jesus knows. I mean, he ain't forgetting you. I mean, I'm, I'm going to trust his memory better than mine. You say, yeah, but we've got to get a card on him. I'd rather him know Jesus. Are you with me if you creak god intends his church the church and our church not to be one more task on your list but that the 168 hours you are unified with the body of christ because you focus on that which matters most god has a purpose for putting us together friends there's a reason why you're here there's a reason why you're a part of this body you say but chuck sometimes i just don't feel it okay then pack all your junk up, lay it down, surrender, and let the Spirit of God go to work in your life. I promise you, He's going to lead you to unity in the body of Christ. I, I promise you, this is what He does. But also, being engaged in a community gives you strength. I don't know about you, but man, there are times I need to have a little strength in my spiritual life to secure my way through the week. Because as you face the inevitable challenges of life in this sin-filled earth, God intends that we are supported, we're strengthened, we're encouraged, and we're empowered through the community of Jesus' followers. That's why it's a big deal to be engaged in a local Bible-believing New Testament church. That's why you ought to be involved in groups so that you can engage not just the Scripture but in life. That's why it matters to, to the world. That's every point in my life where I've gone through the darkest stretches of my life. Do you know who came to me in aid? People that I was living with in faith. People in the community of the body of Christ. They are who came to my rescue. Do you know why they did? Not just because they love me, but because the Spirit of God led them to. And when you do that and you surrender your life, you are both a part of it and the recipient of it all at the same time. That, my friend, is God's plan. Because when God loves, listen to me, when God loves, it's forever. But when, when when God's love feels distant, when it feels like it's non-existent in your life, the body of Christ's love is real and it's tangible. You say, but this this whole spirit of God thing, Chuck, is so ethereal, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, if you really want to know what it feels like. Find yourself in a mess and all alone without the body of Christ versus what it feels like when you're in the body of Christ, and you'll know exactly the difference. When when, when somebody truly says, I'm so glad you're here, and you know it in your heart, you, you know something's up. When you walk in and a room feels cold and dead and nothing's happening, you know, that, that is when you got to be the thermostat and turn it up and let the Spirit of God do something in your life. But you may not be capable of it because you're just so beat down. You walk in and you need somebody else to turn the, the thermostat up. You know what? That's what a believer does in our life. But you know, being a, engaged in a community also provides ministry opportunities. Because we learn together in the community of faith that it's crucial for spiritual well-being because it's a place where we find opportunities to minister and be ministered to. We're called to minister and serve. Not just people with Rev in front of their name, but you. Every follower of Jesus is called to minister. Every one of us is called to do what we can where we are. And this is what we're called to do. When, when the lady came in and broke open that flask of perfume and anoints Jesus' feet, And all of the disciples were, you should have sold that and fed the poor with it like it was something they'd been doing right. Jesus said, leave her alone because she's done a good thing for me. And listen to what he said. She has done what she could. Each one of you can do what you can. This is all that Jesus asked. He's not asking you to walk away from your job and move to Africa, at least not all of you. He may some of you, but he may ask some of you to walk across the street or walk next door or walk across an aisle. But he is going to ask you to do that. Verse 44 says, they met together in one place and shared everything that they had. Friend, hear me. When crisis hits the world, like in Uvalde or in other parts of the world, you could spend your time asking why God allowed it to happen, or you could be the hands and feet of God's only son and go be his ambassador and serve them. Because if you want to see where is God in the midst of a tragedy, watch and see if the people of God show up. As for me and our church in Uvalde, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Praise God. Being in an engaged community also gives us guidance. I mean, a real active Bible-believing New Testament community of faith is crucial to our well-being because it's the source of a lot of our guidance. It's a lot of our, the course of our correction and direction. As someone as well said, we need the community of believers because none of us is as smart as all of us. And I believe that. The, I mean, the, the, the scriptures say that, you know, a cord of three strands can't be broken. I mean, it, it, you've heard me talk on the geese for years around here, right? I mean, we've got to learn how to honk around here. A goose, a, you know, a flight of geese flying in a V. I mean, they're flying that front goose, man. He's pushing all the air out of the way. I mean, this guy's poor guy's dying, right? He's also the one getting shot at first. I mean, it's unbelievable. And have you ever noticed that one line of that V is longer than the other line of the V? You don't know why that is? there's more geese on that side. Now, as they fly, <laughs> all the while, you know what these geese are saying? Honk, honk. Say it with me. Honk. Come on, don't get honk. honk. Come on. that make you feel good or what? If nothing to clean your sinuses out. Honk. <laughs> Do you know what? You know what scientists have proven that these geese are saying? You to goose, keep going. You to goose, come on, let's keep going. You know why? Because when that front goose gets tired, he falls off, and other geese fall off the pace, and they create a new V, and they bring him back in line, and they keep pairing up and trading because they realize together they can fly 81% further than one goose can fly on their own. I don't know about you, but in the kingdom of God, we need one another, people. We need one another. I don't care how weird we are. We need one another. We, it takes weirdos to do the kingdom work. It takes people who are willing to go do weird stuff and want to do weird stuff. After this last hour, lady, first time she's ever been in this church, her son that's been attending for two months brought his mom and dad to church. And she sat here after the service and said, this is exactly where God's brought me because I want to help you with foster ministry. And I'm like, bless God, let's do it. You know why? Huh. Maybe let's, we got to honk a little bit. I just think for the rest of the year, we ought to walk through, the, walk through the whole hallways, just honk at one another, know what it means. Like if I see you in the hall, instead of, hey, how you doing? And you get a honk, just know I'm saying, you the goose. I mean, how cool is that? Hey, baby, honk, I'm with you. Right? I mean, come on, let's do this. Let's honk a little bit. It really does help us through difficulties. I mean, it's... The mark of community, true biblical community, is not the absence of conflict, it's not the absence of difficulties, but it is the presence of a reconciling spirit. You know, we can argue about all the stuff if we want to, but the only thing that I'm going to break fellowship with you on is Jesus and Jesus alone because that's the crux of everything. Like if you, you, you want to talk about talking in tongues, knock yourself out, don't care, don't get it, you know, it's just never happened to me, but whatever, I, I'm cool with it. You, you, want to, you want to talk about end times and, you know, the, the thousand-year reign, and I, I just know where I'm going. You know, you want to talk about, okay, did, did God create, you know, the earth in a literal six days or not? Man, I'm cool with that. I, you know, just, the main thing to me is God created the heavens and the earth. Right? For me, I, I want to major on the majors, and the major is Jesus. And when you major on Jesus, all the other minors don't absorb your thought because he does. It's hard to argue with people about stuff that's minor when you're absolutely absorbed with Jesus. And so I wanna invite you to get absorbed in Jesus. And this final point, I really wanna help us get past here, and that is this, that we in community, engage community, we will make a difference for the cause of Christ. Because the gates of hell cannot withstand the offensive nature of truth, and God's righteousness, and how he works in the life of a believer. Let's be that people. We're gonna partake in communion now, but before I do, I wanna give you this thought. The whole reason of the teaching on the spirit of God in community comes down to this one belief system that I I really do think is critical and essential. I am by my nature a sinful man. I have been saved by a righteous Savior. He has redeemed my life, and although I still sin, He welcomes when I come to Him and say I'm sorry, and He forgives me. You know what else He does? He he softens my heart and makes me long more for Him. Not not for ways about him, but him. That I could be grounded in him. And when I partake in communion, and I pray that you'll receive this in love, I wanna walk to the Lord's table. And it's there that I like to surrender and leave all my junk. And then I want to leave and come back with the picture of his blood and his body, and remember, that he willingly allowed his body to be broken on that cross and his blood to be shed because I needed forgiveness and so do you. Our sin demands a savior and that savior offers all things being possible in our life. And you say, well Chuck, I need to clarify that because maybe I've never felt this spirit of God working in me. I, I want that, then it's really this simple. Don't, don't bow your head. Don't close your eyes. Hear me when I say, Jesus made it overwhelmingly simple for you. He, people say he's exclusive, and he is. He is so exclusive that he says, when you recognize you're a sinner and you need a Savior, you can call on my name, and I will answer you. That's how simple he made it. But it starts with that recognition. Man, I have made some bad choices in my life. I have done exactly what the Bible says, I've sinned. and Because of that, in God's perfection man, right now, me and God aren't on the same page. But Jesus, I can ask you into my life, ask you to forgive me. I can accept that you died for me and rose from the dead for me. I can ask you to step into my life and you can become my Lord and my Messiah, leading me to know that you're my Savior for my entire life. And you just call on the name of the Lord. You say, Chuck, man, I'm embarrassed. I don't wanna walk in aisle. I'm not asking you to. Chuck, I I don't know. There are a lot of people around here. If I raise my hand, what are people gonna think? You know what they're gonna think? God bless you, that's what they're gonna think. But I know this, before we partake in communion, let's remember this one thing. It is designed for people who have chosen to accept Jesus's spilled blood and broken body for the forgiveness of their sins. And when Jesus told us to partake of his meal, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't tell us, let's line up a group of guys in black and navy suits, and they pass them out in shiny trays. He didn't design it where one dude handed it out. He didn't design it where we all pick apart from a loaf. He designed it for one thing. He didn't really care how we did it. He cared that we did it. And he cared that we did it to remember him. This is all about him. It's not for the show. It's about him. So I invite you now, just make your way to any one of the tables that is near you and take one of the cups, bring it back to where you're seated. There's a little film on the top of it. You've got to be careful you don't pull it all off at once. You pull that little uh, thin film off and the wafer is there. Underneath it is a foil top that you can pull off and expose the juice. This Spirit of God that we've been talking about Boy, it's, um, it's almost hard to fathom how much he loves you. It's hard to imagine that Jesus, our savior and our king and our Lord, hard to imagine that somebody could actually love us to the degree, degree that they would allow themselves to have a crown of thorns pressed down on their head to be beaten beyond recognition. To be spat upon to be cursed to have nails driven through his body to attach him to an old wooden cross to be, to be raised up on that cross at a street corner where people could come by and laugh at him and curse him and yet him willingly do that for you and that after that that they would take his body and they would anoint it for burial and place it into a borrowed tomb Praise God, three days later, he pushed that stone out of the way and he's alive today. And that's why we remember who he is and what he's done. So he took the bread and he broke it apart and he blessed it. Father, thank you that we get to remember you through the picture of your broken body and your shed blood. Lord, while this is just a representation, God, in our heart and in our soul and in our mind, Give us strength to remind ourselves, and you remind ourselves of you that this is all because of you. And without you, we have nothing, and yet with you, we have all things and can do all things. So thank you for your body being broken. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. And they ate. And then the Lord took the wine, the fruit of the vine. Sometimes we forget that um, we Americans have turned it into grape juice, but the Lord took the good stuff. I mean, he made the good stuff. And um, when he made it at that wedding, he set a picture of what it was like. It was a picture of the Lord's blessing on their life of his sustenance, his presence, his goodness. Isn't it interesting that the first miracle that Jesus performed was to introduce that wine and this was to remind us that the wine was always a picture of his shed blood. So today, as Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. I don't know what the spirit of the room was, but I can only imagine. I bet there was fear, regret, sorrow, peace. I don't know what all was going on in their minds. I know what goes on in my mind every time I do this. Lord, I'm so grateful. For all you are, I'm so grateful. Come on, let's stand and sing, then we'll go. let this Jesus that we've talked about go before you this week and make a way. Oh, and let him make your crooked path straight. That's what he does, right? And let this Jesus go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Because listen, my friend, Jesus is always good and Jesus always loves you. And when the days get difficult and dark, let that Jesus come behind you and pick you up and carry you, not around the problem, but right through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up in his big loving arms so you can hear your Savior say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Oh, my friend, go in peace this week.